Hello and welcome to Declaration, where we exist to help people encounter and follow Jesus. Pastor John Sherrill is taking us through our brand new sermon series, King Jesus. At Declaration, we believe that God has a word for you and your family to live a life of fullness and to be devoted to Christ and His church. If you want to find out more about the ministries of Declaration Church, I would highly encourage you to visit declaration.org. Let's listen in this week with Pastor John Sherrill. Thank you, King Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Church, let's give him our best one more time. Can we? Come on. And you can have a seat. Let's, let's clap for our fifth and sixth grade as they go out to their class. And let's just welcome everybody joining online. Miss April's over there waving. So if you're in fifth or sixth grade, well, Christmas is here. Let me say Merry Christmas, everybody. That's right, man. What a great week that we're entering. Uh, kids are out of school. I know that they're excited about that. Christmas Eve services, probably one of my favorite Services that we get to do together, we'll be here Christmas Eve, 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock, two identical services. It's going to be a great time. Please, please hear me when I say this. This is an amazing opportunity for you to invite someone to hear a very clear message of love that will give them the opportunity to receive the greatest gift they could ever receive, okay? Um, we've been planning and praying and we even have more planning and more praying that we're doing. And today after church, when you guys go home, we're going to be up here getting ready already for Christmas Eve. We have high expectation that God is going to give the greatest gift of salvation and hope to people, maybe like never before in this house. Amen. So please be an inviter, be a bringer, okay? It's gonna be incredible. I wanna let you know there is no in-person services next week. If you would like to come, Awesome. But we are going to call that Sabbath Sunday for the staff because I have run them ragged, all right? And so we're going to do no in-person services next week, but there is an online service. And uh, I'll go ahead and tell you, we pre-recorded it, so I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that. But it's going to be a great time. I think that you'll enjoy it. It's going to be a crown the year type service. It'll be at 9, 11, and 5.30. And so online only next week. You're going to hear us say that three or four times because inevitably, I'm going to get an email. Where were y'all, you know? And I'm just going to go, rapture. Sorry. Um, <laughs> just playing. Uh, I want to remind you of our legacy end of year offering. And please be praying about giving that extra gift to Jesus this year. And let's uh, fill the storehouse for even, even incre- more incredible, bigger difference that we can make in 2022 together. Amen. We've got some incredible stuff happening with the land and all that good stuff. And so we're very excited about what 2022 will bring. Okay. Forgive my voice. I don't know where it went. I'm asking for it back for Christmas. All right. Over the past few weeks, we've been examining some of the characters of the Christmas story. There's there's a lot of characters that we could look at, but there's just a select few that we really kind of wanted to hone in on and highlight. So we started with Zechariah. You know, a few weeks back, we looked at Zechariah and um, Elizabeth, who we saw was barren, uh, infertile. We saw that all throughout their life, they, they lived in this time period of what was known as the silence of God. They were godly people, though they obeyed the Lord. Um, Gosh, they desperately wanted a family, but they could never conceive. So they waited, they hoped, they longed, they prayed, they tried for years, but they could never have children. And I'm sure because, you know, children, descendants, um, this was considered to be a blessing culturally. So this would be a blessing from God. This was, uh, this was a significant sign of favor being on your family. And so, you know, I thought about that. I wonder if they ever questioned God in that. I wonder if they ever felt challenged to continue to remain faithful to God throughout those painful barren years. 
But in one powerful, miraculous moment, we saw God break his silence through this angelic visit to Zechariah, telling telling him that they would conceive a baby and that they were to name that baby John and that this would be a child of promise and great purpose in that he would be, he would become John the baptizer. He would, he, you know, this child would grow to basically to prepare the way for the Messiah to come. Now, Zechariah in his older age, we saw due to life circumstances, he had a hard time believing what he was hearing. We've got that verse up for you, Luke 1, 18, where he basically questions this and he says, look, I'm old and so is my wife. This couple conceiving a child was, you know, this was a very improbable possibility in his mind, but it happened. In the story, we saw that God's perfect will is worth any pain of waiting and that God provides for his plans and chooses to use people just like us in his purposes. Last week, we looked at Mary and here we saw this poor, humble, Jewish teenage girl who would be called by God to a very high and holy task of being the birth mother to Jesus. Now, how could this be? She asked a similar question. How could this be? But she asked this from a posture of innocence, um, knowing that she had not been with the man, biblically. And as the angel Gabriel began to tell her, he began to say, well, here's God's plan. Um, and now, you know, but her knowing, but I'm, I'm a virgin, Gabriel still tells her that this is, you know, this is going to happen. Now, in her mind, she's probably thinking this is absolutely impossible, but we see that she makes herself available. So we've got that verse, Luke 138. She basically just says, I'm the servant. I'm not in charge. Who am I to say? So she says, let it be, let it be. So we see this posture of availability. In this, we saw that Mary chooses, um, you know, that God chooses to use someone like Mary, someone that is ordinary and humble to do something extraordinary and powerful. And then we also see that when we obey God, nothing's impossible. So today I want to turn our attention to another important character in the story. The one basically chosen to be a stand-in dad, a stand-in earthly father to the baby Jesus. You know, Pastor Travis was talking about, um, you know, embrace, but also wrestling. I mean, this is the perfect picture of being embraced but wrestling is when we see Joseph. The Bible doesn't really give us much detail about Joseph's role as a father to Jesus, but we do gain some things. Like in the book of Mark, we see that, you know, he's a carpenter. They call him a carpenter, and and Jesus probably is his apprentice, we assume. Uh, Jesus takes on the same trade, but in Matthew, we really see the majority of the things that we're gonna find. So as we open the book of Matthew together, we see this gospel begins with the genealogy or... The generations, the lineage of the many faithful men and women that would lead to the birth of Jesus, or better, we see how God would fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah in that the Messiah would come through the lineage of King Jesus or King David, as Isaiah had prophesied so long before. We see that in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7. We see it in Isaiah chapter 11, like 1 through, I don't know, 5 or 6 or so, or 8 or so. It's a very, very amazing passage of scripture there. But just know this, there were 14 generations from Abraham to King David. Now, if you notice in verse one of Matthew, it says this, that this is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and Abraham. But I like the way the ESV reads it. Look what it says. It says, this book is the genealogy. Um, no, let's go to, uh, do you have a 11.1 in ESV? Did I not put that in there? There it is. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So clearly Matthew is revealing to us, just as God had planned, just as Isaiah had prophesied, Jesus the Messiah would come through the line of King David. 
Jesse being the father to David. Important to know because in Isaiah 11, when, when Isaiah is prophesying this Messiah, he says this. Now, now let's go to that. Um, that there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, basically from the stem or for the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his root shall bear fruit. See, then after, after King David, there's another 14 generations that goes by until we come to the place that we know as the deportation to Babylon. Now, this was when God had blessed his people. He had made them into this incredible nation just as he had promised Abraham long before because of Abraham's faith and because of Abraham's obedience. So they find themselves in this, this place of blessing and this led to a series now of a lot of things. It led to a series of wicked kings, um, people worshiping all sorts of idols. It led to people dabbling into witchcraft, into paganism. It led to people killing their own babies as human sacrifices to these pagan gods, these pagan idols, these false gods like the god called Molech. Um, they were engaging in all sorts of abominations and they were repeatedly ignoring the most high God. God would send messengers and prophets who would give these warnings to repent, to turn back to God, and they would just ignore the words of the Lord coming to them. So that's kind of what led to the deportation to Babylon here. Now, some may just call that, well, that was just the culture of that day, right? Tragically. And in response, you know, what, what does God do? Well, God destroys the northern kingdom of Israel and sends them into the exile into Assyria, and then he destroys the southern kingdom of Judah and sends them into, ex into exile into Babylon. So obviously, we find ourselves at this position, this moment of such great need here for repentance, redemption, and rescue. And sadly, as I go down the description of where God's people had come to, somehow, does that sound familiar to anybody, to us, today? Another 14 generations go by, including this incredible, difficult time period where God seems to be silent. And at the end of that season is where we began our story with Zechariah. You know, we, we talked about Zechariah and Elizabeth. We looked at Mary and now Joseph. And in Matthew, we get to verse 16. And we see that Jacob had fathered Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who was called the Messiah. So a few things about Joseph we gain from the passage that we're going to go into is that we see that Jacob had fathered Joseph. That was, a, that was a, you know, a lineage thing. Jacob was known as this great, great man. Joseph is a man of integrity, which kind of speaks to his lineage. He's a righteous man. And now Joseph is of age to marry and have a family of his own. And we find that he's betrothed to this teenage girl named Mary, meaning culturally, they had already accomplished the tradition of the two families coming together. It's kind of, it's an arranged marriage. The two families had come together, the families of Mary and Joseph. Um, they had agreed to the union of their children and they had negotiated the betrothal. This would include a price for the bride that would be paid to the bride's father. After that, a public announcement would have been made. So now to, to the whole entire world, these families were telling the intentions and, um, and, and, and that had been accomplished. And now at this point, Joseph and Mary, they're pledged to one another, similar to what we know as engagement, but has a much more binding nature to it, much more binding value. And even though they're not married through ceremony yet, they were considered as such. We, saw, we talked about that last week. In fact, their relationship could only be broken by death 
or divorce at this point. Though they had not yet had a ceremony, they had not yet consummated the marriage, and sexual relations were not permitted during this period, they were culturally already seen, though, as husband and wife. And it's during this time frame of their betrothal that we pick up in our story in Matthew chapter 1. Look at it with me in verse 18. It says, now the birth of Jesus the Messiah was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, knew one another, basically had sexual relations, Mary was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit, just as the angel Gabriel had said would happen. And her husband Joseph, since he was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her, he planned to just send her away secretly. I want you to understand the gravity of what's going on here. This moment in time, you know, unlike today, you know, actually in, in some of our lifetimes, we, we remember when something would happen and there was a, um, I, I mean, I hate to say unwanted pregnancy, but on some levels, that's kind of what had happened. But some of us remember the day where that might happen and then all of a sudden that person just disappeared. But now fast forward just a few years later, um, here we are today and, and it's kind of a common stance situation. But in this time frame, I need you to understand, I just understand that the nature of how scandalous this is. I mean, this is deeply scandalous, so much so that the penalty or the punishment to be found in this position as pregnant during a betrothal, this was a situation that could give, give way to death by stoning. That's how serious and scandalous this moment is that they find themselves in. So as we kind of read through Matthew starting in 18 and we just kind of read those first few verses, don't just skip through that and not realize the gravity of what's going on on, on the scene here. I mean, there, there, is, there is all kind of talk, that's why I say talk about embrace but wrestling. I mean, Joseph, I can't even imagine where, where he is, what he's thinking, what he's feeling. And then Mary as well. So, so she, could be, she could be put to death by stoning. Why? Because this must have meant to the outside world that this woman was unfaithful. That's it. See, now during the betrothal period, the, the couple, they don't live together for a year for the sole purpose of a few things. Number one, preparation. And number two, to prove purity. The husband goes to prepare a home. The, the, the fidelity of the couple is, is under scrutiny. They are to remain celibate during the season. So by Mary showing up pregnant to society, this meant she was unfaithful. She should be stoned. Maybe that's at worst, but at best, deep shame, not just for Mary, but for Joseph, for her family, for his family. I mean, deep, deep shame. The culture of shame was so incredibly ingrained in this society. I mean, this is far greater than our cancel culture. Our cancel culture today, you may lose your job, which, yeah, that's pretty inconvenient. But in this time frame, you lose everything. You lose your family. You lose your integrity. You lose your future spouse, your future family. You lose your reputation. I mean, maybe you even lose your life. You lose everything. And then Joseph, well, Joseph could recover. <laughs> he could recover. I mean, the man's reputation, he, he could recover. Um, so obviously, the woman would get the blame for the, a situation like this in this culture. But he would still feel personal shame that his betrothed would do something like this to him, to them, that Mary would put him in such a difficult position being pregnant. I mean, most likely she revealed this upon returning from her three-month visit to her cousin Elizabeth's house because she could no longer hide it any longer. 
And this sent Joseph into this time of absolute turmoil emotionally and, and mentally and, and, and even spiritually. I mean, none of this even really made sense. I mean, you know, would he, could he even believe her as she was telling him the story of Gabriel visiting? Um, would, he, would he believe that she had remained faithful to him though she was pregnant? Would he and could he believe that she had, you know, what, what exactly the words that she said about this angelic visit, that, that this was God's plan, that her pregnancy was of some sort of supernatural means by and through the Holy Spirit. I mean, what a horrible situation that Joseph thinks that he finds himself in. But let's keep reading in verse 20. It says, but when he had thought about it, when he had thought this over, this angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. He says, take her as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So now, Joseph is having his own angelic visit. And just like Zachariah and just like Mary, this angel, most likely Gabriel, once again, shows up confirming everything that Mary had told him. Jesus says, for this child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. It says, she will give birth to a son and you shall name him Jesus, which is so important. We're gonna talk about it at Christmas Eve. Such a powerful pronoun, I mean, just profound name. You shall name him Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah would be fulfilled, it says. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. This is basically... The angel just reiterating what Isaiah had prophesied long, long ago in chapter seven, verse 14. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They shall name him Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph wakes up from his sleep and it says he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. Listen, cho Joseph chose to obey. He chose to believe, not just with his mind, which was probably, in fact, it probably gripped his heart first before his mind, to be honest. And he, here's another thing. Joseph chose compassion over reputation. Because it didn't matter what anybody, I mean, who else was going to believe this story? And so he took it upon, I'm going to choose compassion over my reputation here. His reputation surely would have been ridiculed. Now listen, here's what I want you to take away today, if, if I can give this to you. When God's people surrender their will to God's ways, God can and will use his people to change the world. I believe that's so true about you and me, just as I believe it's about Joseph and Mary. When God's people surrender their will to his ways, God can and will use his people to change the world. Listen, this situation has challenged Joseph's faith in ways that nothing else ever could have. This situation tested his character. This would alter the course of his entire life forevermore. But still, Joseph chose compassion over reputation. Joseph chose faith over fear. Joseph chose obedience over convenience even going so far that he honored every part, I mean, every aspect of that betrothal. Look at verse 25. He even kept their betrothal pure. He kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. Just as, you know, he was told by the angel and just as he was told, he named the baby Jesus. Now listen, you gotta know, none of this was easy. 
None of this could be. We have to know Joseph wasn't able to take such this huge life-altering step of faith without taking smaller steps of faith in his life prior to the situation. In fact, this pastor, Matt Reynolds, I saw this this last week, actually, and it jumped off the screen at me. He says, big steps of faith are almost always preceded by a hundred small steps of simple obedience. Joseph was a righteous man. He walked in an upright way. There's no doubt in my mind, there had to be a, a hundred small steps of simple obedience that would enable him to be able to take this type of supernatural step of faith. And what would motivate Joseph? I started thinking about that. What would motivate, what would make Joseph say yes to all this? I mean, what would make him willing to believe Mary or, or to trust in his dream, to trust the angel? What, what would make him willing to obey God? And the more I sat and thought about this, the more I, I just had to know this was a sense of awe. This was a sense of wonder. I mean, the moment that he woke up from his dream, but the moment that he really woke up and realized what this was, this information that was coming to him, when he realized what this meant, when he realized the moment in time he was standing in and the fact that God was doing this in and through them. I mean, this was the promise. This was the fulfillment of prophets like Isaiah and Micah and Malachi. I mean, the moment that presented itself, I can only imagine Joseph found himself just in this place of absolute awe and wonder. To behold the moment to understand what was happening. I mean, the promise of all the prophecies and the stories passed down demanded Joseph's attention and affection, demanded his obedience, even at the risk of his family's reputation. I mean, the idea of Messiah, the idea of Emmanuel, to imagine the goodness of God coming in the flesh, finally, after all these years, after God being silent for all these years, and now here he, he's coming, and he's coming to Joseph, and he's coming to Mary, and he's coming, in verse 21 says, to save his people from their sins. He's gonna bring rescue. The very thing that generations of hearts have craved. Whew. I mean, think about the history, 14 generations, 14 generations, 14 generations, all the timeline. This is the moment that every heart had been longing for. And here it is. I mean, this could, this could be the only thing possibly good enough to cause Joseph's level of obedience. Let me say it again. When God's people surrender their will to his ways, God can and will use people to change the world. As it was for Joseph, I believe it is applicable to you and to me. When God speaks, listen, when he speaks, we have to obey. Even when it doesn't make sense. We have to be willing to just obey. Even, listen, even if it challenges our faith, even if it tests our character, even if it completely alters the course of our life, we have to obey. The steps of faith and obedience that we take today may just have profound spiritual implications on generations to come. Take a look at this video. There were 14 generations between Father Abraham and King David. 14 more generations 
between David and the Babylonian exile. And 14 generations later, the great king would be born. A 2,000-year lineage comprised of slaves and kings, heroes and adulterers, prophets and prostitutes. They were the faithful and the faithless. So what kind of king would this be? While many dreamed of the day this king would come, it began as a real-life nightmare for one man. A good man, with God's lot cast upon him. Joseph. 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 I promise you, Joseph, I am telling you the truth. I'm not saying you don't believe it. I'm just saying... I don't know if I do. So, what are you saying? She's pregnant! I haven't been with her! The baby's not mine! Take Mary as your wife. I can't do this! I don't... I don't want to hurt her. But I... I can't. Joseph, you are a descendant of David. Your ancestors have taken great steps of faith, and now it is time for you to step out. Take Mary as your wife. But the baby is... What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It is prophecy fulfilled. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. Emmanuel. Messiah. dream, a heavenly visitation, and what was distressing became a blessing, a blessing that would challenge Joseph's faith, demand every ounce of his character, and forever alter the course of his life and yours. God with us. What kind of king? Would this be? It's a great question. What kind of king would this be? The kind that changes everything literally. The kind that demands our all because of his goodness. 
the kind that is worthy of the, the sum total of, of all of creation's affection, that, that's worthy of the sum total of all of creation's worship and praise and adoration. The kind that would abdicate his own glory to take on the humility of humanity to come for the purpose of dying in their place for their brokenness and for their rebellion. Because his love for them was so great, he couldn't bear the thought of leaving them lost. And sometimes this King Jesus, he may call us to something. You know, and it may challenge our faith. It, it may demand our character. And like Joseph we have the opportunity to just behold him. I mean, Emmanuel, God with us, Messiah, rescue, hope. We, we must recognize that he's the, the, true, the true hope and the rescue for the entire world. And, and we too must choose compassion and obedience over reputation. Are you hearing me today? We've got to get to the place where he's better, where he's more, where we're willing to choose obedience over reputation. I mean, as I said in the video, your ancestors, Joseph, have taken a great step of faith and now it's time for you to step out. Well, guess what? Let me say this. As people who have surrendered to Jesus, we are now adopted into God's family. You know what that means? That means that his ancestors are our ancestors. And so maybe it's our time to step up. When God's people surrender their will to his ways, God can and will use his people to change the world. I love the moment in that video. I mean, that's what got me. In fact, if I be honest, that moment in that video is what ended up scripting this whole series. The first time I saw that video, weeks and weeks and weeks ago, when I saw that video and I saw that moment of his awakening, not just waking up from the dream or from the sleep, his awakening, when he realized what was happening. Watch it again. Go ahead, hit, it, hit it from the beginning. Put the audio in it. And they shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God with us. Watch him. God with us. Emmanuel. Messiah. You see it? It's like he gets it. It's like he catches up to 730 years of prophecy. It's he catches up to 400 years. He realizes the gravity of this moment. I mean, his obedience was motivated by the promise. His, his obedience was motivated by the presence of God. Man, come on, think about this. I saw this tweet this last week that caused me to pause. It stopped me in my scrolling. Um, it made me thankful. It called me to a place of wonder and adoration. It really did. It called me into this place of just beholding. I mean, it was, at, listen, this is crazy. It was a tweet that actually invited me into worship, which is not normal. <laughs> if you're on social media, it's not normal. And here's what it said. It said, for those who are grieving, Emmanuel, for those who are healing or in need of healing, Emmanuel, for those who are searching, Emmanuel, for those who are waiting, Emmanuel, 
for those who are weary, Emmanuel. For everyone, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. That was the tweet. Beautiful. And it's, it's as if Joseph just got it, man. He knew this. So when the angel visited him and when he realized what all this meant, what all this was, how could he say no? Way too important of a task, right? Way too great of a calling. This was too amazing to refuse. No matter the cost. No matter. See, when God's people surrender their will to his ways, God can and will use his people to literally change the world. Aren't you glad that Joseph chose to say yes? Aren't you glad that Joseph chose to be willing to give it all, to say, here I am, my hands are open, my arms are open, What God, place within me whatever it is that you want me to carry. I don't care what it costs. I don't care the reputation that it might bring. I see what it is that you're wanting to do. Yes. Yes, aren't you glad that Joseph decided to say, have your way, God? I just want to give you a few seconds to pray before we go home today. Just spend a little time with the Lord on this Sunday before Christmas Eve. I want to ask you, what has he been saying to you? What are the things that he's been maybe pressing in to your heart with that maybe you've been suppressing? What are, what are some of those dormant things that he's been breathing on, awakening, but, but maybe you've been ignoring? What's he doing in your life? Are you willing to say yes? Even if it challenges your faith, even if it tests your character, even if what God is saying literally changes the course of your life, even if it costs you your reputation, even if it costs you everything, everything. So as the team leads us for just a minute, I'm gonna invite you. I'm gonna have prayer partners, if you will, elder families, if you'll just make yourself available. We're gonna stand to our feet and just take a few minutes with the Lord and just listen to the lyrics of the song. Maybe sing along if you know it. If you need prayer this morning, Man, go grab one of those prayer partners. Let them minister to you. If you need to pray this morning at the altar just alone, man, find your place before the Lord at the altar. Just let's take time. Let's take time to behold. Let's take time to behold for a minute. This just hit me, so I feel like it might be for somebody. I feel like we, we kind of end up becoming like that which we behold. So let's just take a minute and say, Jesus, here I am. Have your way. My arms are open. I'll carry whatever it is you're asking me to carry. God was asking Joseph to carry God in the flesh as a baby. Knowing that one day, God in the flesh would carry Joseph and you and me. So would you stand to your feet and let's just take a few minutes to respond and then I believe Pastor Aaron will come and dismiss us. Thank you so much for joining us today. Maybe today you need to take the next step in your faith, whether that be in giving your life to Christ, or maybe you need prayer and to be contacted by one of our pastors. 
In the podcast description, you will find a link to our website and a link to an online connection card. And if you feel led, there's a link that you can give directly to the Ministries of Declaration online. We would love to hear from you. God bless you and have a wonderful week.